When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, folk? It's RJ Young on this episode of the number one ranked show, giving you the second of our two Pac-12 Media Day episodes. On this one, we feature Oregon head coach Dan Lanning, Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham, and quarterback for the Utah Utes, Cameron Rising. If you like the show, please subscribe to the channel on YouTube and on the podcast link, leave us a five-star review. All right, let's go talk to Coach Lanning. I'm pleased to be joined by Oregon head coach Dan Lanning. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. How excited are you to open the season against the defending national champions? You know, what an honor to get a chance to go against, you know, obviously some of these guys that I know really, you know, intimately. Uh, The head coach there is a great mentor and friend, and uh, Coach Smart's been really good to me. So is that program. So it's going to be fun to see where we're at early. I'm curious about the defense at Oregon in particular, uh, Noah Sewell and Justin Flo. If you'd have told me that Justin Flo was going to be a first-round pick some five years ago, I would have believed you just watching what his huddle tape was like. It's like in high school, but the injuries and whatnot. Is the defense going to be as good as those two linebackers can be for you? You know, there's a lot of other pieces to a team than just two linebackers. Obviously, I have high expectations for both those guys. You know, Justin would tell you uh, if he was sitting here, he's played five quarters and he wants to go out there and prove that he can play. Um, That being said, they're really talented, but it takes more than two guys to win football games. And we have other guys in that linebacker room, other guys on the defensive line in the secondary. They're going to be a big part of us being successful. On the offensive side, you got a couple quarterbacks that I really enjoy. Bo Nix, who knows what it's like to go against Oregon and get a W. And also Ty Thompson, who's a blue chip recruit. Have you settled in on who you think is going to start week? We're going to continue to have that competition, that battle. You know, Bo's done a phenomenal job. Ty's done a phenomenal job. Jay Butterfield, they've all been really good. And I'm just excited to be in a situation where I think we have more than one quarterback on our roster that we can win with, that care for each other, uh, that it matters to. So it's, it's good to be in that situation. I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, your pedigree. Uh, I'm a University of Tulsa graduate, so Ty Graham means something to me. I would like you to tell me the story about you driving 15 hours in one direction so you could get a meeting. Yeah, that was a long trip. You know, I wanted, I wanted to coach in college football, and I know we probably don't have time for that story. Um, but I sent out letters to a lot of people and had, had gotten a call back um, saying, hey, we might have something for you. We'll touch base on, after signing day. And I never heard back. And I said, you know what? I told my wife, I'm going to go teach school this morning. And then after school, I'm going to drive to Pittsburgh and I'm going to get a job. And I drove there. I put on a suit right before I got to the office. Um, I show up and it's, you know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m. I'm wearing a suit and nobody's there yet. And it surprises me because I know they're a new staff and they're going to be working. The reality is, you know, several hours later, I find out their entire staff's at Penn State. They're not at Pitt. So stay the night. 
uh, get the opportunity to talk, you know, to Coach Patterson, the defensive coordinator there, um, and he provides an opportunity, 800 bucks a month, um, and that's all I needed, you know, kind of a chip in the chair and an opportunity to start working in college football, and we'll be forever grateful for that experience, but that started the ball rolling for me as a quality control coach and then later on a GA. That has been one of the things that's been echoed by uh, coaches that you worked for, in particular Coach Saban and Coach Smart. That dude wants it. He will sleep on the floor. He wants to get after it. Is that what it takes, Coach? It takes what it takes. It takes what it takes. And, you know, for me, I didn't have a network um, of coaches that I had been around. Uh, I do now. You know, that's that's fortunate. But, I, you know, I believe in hard work, and I'm, you know, the son of two tier teachers. Um, I believe in being a lifelong learner. Where you're at today has nothing to do with where you're going to be at 10 years from now. You, you got you control that by how hard you work on the effort you put in. But um, I've certainly changed over time. You know, I'm, my focus is also about my family, my wife and kids now. Uh, so that's certainly different. But it takes hard work to be successful. It takes a lot of hard work. One of the astounding notes I, un I say uncovered, it's out there, is you being a part of this 2015 staff that's got a bunch of head coaches on it from Lane Kiffin to Mario Cristobal, Mel Tucker. Billy Napier, I mean, we keep going, we get to you as a GA, but I understand this is your second stint as a GA. Why'd you want that opportunity at Bama? You know, ultimately, um, for me as a coach, going back to being a lifelong learner, if somebody asked me what's different about Nick Saban, what's different about Kirby Smart, those guys, if they, if you have a piece of knowledge that can help them be better, they want to know it, right? And they're willing to adapt. And being a lifelong learner, I knew there was more football for me to learn. I knew that me taking an opportunity at Alabama was going to benefit my career and it was be an investment in my future. It might, might not make any money doing it, but it would be an opportunity to get my doctorate in football. And that's kind of what I felt like when I went to Alabama, getting to be around that, that coaching staff, some of those incredible people um, really helped propel me as a coach. My phrase for Oregon over the past decade is that it recruits like the SEC West-West, and it seems that you are keeping that moniker going. What have you learned about recruiting to Oregon? You know, it's it's a place I'm still surprised every time I talk on the phone with a kid, how many how many people I talk to say, Coach Oregon's my dream school. It's a brand that transcends state lines and borders. Uh, it's not just a West Coast brand, um, but it's a brand where kids are excited to come visit our campus. And then when I, when they see it and they experience uh, the environment beyond just the facilities, which are ph phenomenal, the jerseys and the, the gear, but the people. Um, the area, you know, the nature, the combination of, you know, hills and trees and water with phenomenal facilities and resources. It's unique. And there's nothing else in college football like it. Coach, it, it strikes me that we're about a year apart in age. So I'm curious to your answer to this question. How do you feel about the future of college football, knowing what we grew up with? Well, I think you and I can both agree on this. People are passionate about college football, and I think every one of us wants to find a way to make sure that it stays a part uh, of the future, right? And I don't see it going anywhere because of that passion, but I think some of us got to be ready to adapt. You got to adjust on the fly, bob and weave, and things are going to continue to change. Um, I just hope that every one of us keeps the student athlete at the forefront of our mind as we make these changes. Um, I'm certainly excited about now having opportunities uh, for student athletes to be able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. Um, you know, I think there's some, some strong merit for the transfer portal and why it exists. Uh, that being said, you know, we got to be ready, uh, to continue to adjust. Is it always good? Probably not. Right. Um, I'm lucky to be in a place where we can be competitive on that stage, uh, and attract great players because relationships matter more now than they ever have. Hmm. Oregon coach, Dan Lanning. Thank you so much for taking time, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Utah quarterback Cameron Rising. Cam, how you doing, man? 
Doing good. Just happy to be here. Right on, bro. Uh, I want to start with some earlier buzz uh, this month. You went to the Manning Passing Academy. The buzz out of there is, hey, this dude can not only spin it, and he's mobile enough to take advantage of that. I always thought that was a part of a, your game that's underrated, your ability to move. Do you think so? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, growing up my whole life, I've been an athlete. Just playing basketball was one of my favorite things. Ran track in high school. And, yeah, not a lot of people give me credit in the athleticism department. But, you know, it is what it is. And just you can watch some games and kind of find out for yourself. <laughs> that's what's up. What did you learn from the Manny Passing Academy? Uh, just the amount of knowledge that that guys like Peyton and Eli have and just seeing their attention to detail and, and how they focus on so much that they learned throughout the week and, and how their pretty much whole entire career was was laid out and kind of just get that idea of what, what it means to be a professional quarterback. And now you're one of the guys that is expected to be off the board pretty early in 2023. But I want to take it back to high school. I mean, your recruitment journey and your early career are just fascinating to me. So want to walk through it if you that's okay. Absolutely, yeah. So first, what led you to eventually commit to Oklahoma? Uh, Lincoln Riley, actually. It just He's a phenomenal coach and had, had some great meetings with him and always good conversations on the phone and really, really wanted to, to play under him. And then that went away? Yeah, uh, not not necessarily. I I never I never felt any ill will or anything towards towards coach. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal coach, and he's uh, he's always going to be good no matter what situation he's in. But I I wasn't sure if he was going to be there, and and that that, that kind of played a little part into that situation right there with Texas. So you end up at Texas. Yep. And what was it like to be quarterback on the Forty Acres? Um, it was fun. I mean, it, it was good, but it just this really wasn't wasn't for me. It wasn't the the, the fit and the scheme that I wanted to be a part of, and. And I kind of just wanted to expand my my horizons and, and kind of get di a different opportunity. And you got that opportunity at the University of Utah, but it's interesting to hear you say, hey, it wasn't really fit for me. I wouldn't have picked Utah out for you too either, man. I mean, I would have picked out something that was much more air raid, spread friendly. What about Utah drew you there? Well, it was actually between Oregon and, and, and Utah back in the day. But the main thing that really played that part is, is just Coach Whittingham, just making sure that you have the same guy that you come in with. And, and that, that was really my main focus to make sure that this is going to be my coach and, and this is what I got and just make it work from there. Coach Witt can be a hard dude to play for, right? He expects a lot. He doesn't give a lot. What was your first welcome to my world? I'm Coach Witt. This is Utah football story. Um. Nothing really stands out, but uh, I can tell you my OC, there was a little moment where I was kind of just giggling in the in the room because we watched some clips of of an option and, and the quarterback got blasted and and I, I started laughing, you know, and he said, he said, what's so funny? Like, I bet you wouldn't be laughing. That was you and just kind of kind of put me in my place a little bit and kind of told me not to be giggling or laughing in the in the in the room. And that was kind of my, my moment of welcome to Utah football. <laughs> so you get to Utah. You sit, you're competing with Charlie Brewer for the job. He beat you out for the job, but you stayed ready. How did you take advantage of the opportunity to just play? Um, just just try to make sure that I was ready for the moment and and really try to do my due diligence to prepare for the for the game and make sure that I was acting like I was a starter and acting accordingly and just really handling my 20 square feet so that I can be there for the team when when that when that time comes. Early in the season, the offensive line was really taking some criticism on. And you seemed to steady them just by being that guy in the pocket for them, behind them. What'd you say to them? Um, I didn't really have to get them going. They they knew they knew what, what just happened in those first few games and they knew that they had to improve. And 
and it's a prop to, to the whole room because they they really took ownership in what they wanted to do and what they wanted to accomplishment or accomplish during the season so that kind of just made my job easier and I was just trying to make sure I'm getting the ball out as fast as I can so their their job's as easy as it gets it's one thing to beat Oregon once. It's another to beat them twice in three weeks. Yeah, in 13 days. In 13 days, yeah. yes. How did you feel when that was accomplished? It's crazy. I mean, you always you always hear that it's always hard to beat a team twice, and and you, you kind of are like, oh, okay, we just gave them – we probably played the most complete game that we could in that in that first game, and everything seemed to go our way. So we, we knew it was definitely going to be different, and it was just going to be a different feel because – they were coming for blood, and, and we are just excited for that opportunity to try to improve ourselves again in that, in that same type of situation. A point to those two games taking place in 13 days because earlier in the season, Oregon had beaten Ohio State in Columbus. Y'all have an opportunity to play against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. You get injured early. I'm going to give you an opportunity here. Had you not been injured, Utah wins that football game. It's a, it's a what if, and you can't really live off that and just – Whatever, whatever happened in that football game, that's, that's, the, that's the end result. So we got to live with it. Defending Pac-12 champs, uh, do you feel as if y'all are not being properly appreciated for being the defending Pac-12 champs going into 2022? Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all noise outside, and, and it doesn't really matter to me whether they're for us or against us, and that's just, that's just my mentality. Whatever happens inside the facility, that's, that's really where my focus is and, and what, what really matters to, to the team. Utah quarterback Cameron Rising. Thank you so much sir, for time, appreciate sir. you, RJ. I'm pleased to be joined by Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham. Coach, how are you doing? Doing good, thank you. Let's start with this, Coach. Uh, the way that the season ended for you was dramatic. It's one of the best Rose Bowls that I've ever seen. Fortunately, I'm losing into that. But what did you learn from that defeat? Well, I don't know what we learned. There's no moral victories in our program. I mean, it's... Uh, you know, it's disappointing that we weren't able to come out on top. Give Ohio State credit. They played a terrific game. Their quarterback was outstanding. Uh, offensively, we played exceptionally well, put up a bunch of points, but but uh, just didn't get enough done on defense. But but uh, it was great to get over that hump of, you know, winning the Pac-12. And because we've been uh, to the championship game three times now, including last year and the first two times, we fell short. But uh, to be able to get that monkey off our back, I guess you could say, has, has been the objective since we joined the conference 11 years ago. And so that was uh, a milestone of sorts for our program and the, really the next logical step in the evolution of our program. Your program is one of a handful that I believe are on the verge of receiving an invitation to college football playoff. One game here, one game there, you're getting in. What do you think it takes well, you got to you, you got to win. I mean, that's the bottom line. And mm. so we've uh, been right there knocking at the door, as you said. We were one game away in 2019, I believe mm -hmm. it was, where if we would have won that Pac-12 championship game, we were a lock to be mm -hmm. in the CFP. But, but, uh, and that's really a, a motivating factor for our football team this year is to try to to get to that point. We had uh, several guys who could have come out into the NFL draft that stayed for a, an extra year to try to accomplish that objective. So we'll see what happens. One of those guys is Cam Rising. Just came back from the Manning Passing Academy. What did you see from him that led you to say, hey, this guy can help us at Utah? Well, first of all, we knew about him when he came out of high school. He didn't ultimately choose uh, Utah out of high school. He went to Texas, mm -hmm. and so we got him uh, as a transfer. Um, 
three years ago, I believe it's been. Mm -hmm. And uh, we knew of him, like I said, because we had scouted him during his high school days, terrific high school player. And uh, when we got him in the program, it was very apparent that he was a leader mm -hmm. and had the uh, the it factor that you look for in a quarterback. Uh, got into our program, just continued to develop and get better and better. And and uh, you know he's invaluable to us right now as uh, as the leader and the quarterback of our football team. September is always one of my favorite times of year, Coach, because mm -hmm. I get to see these non-conference matchups that I'm salivating over. <laughs> you have one of them this year. Yes, we do. Utah versus Florida, and you also got an ace in the hole, right? Mahmoud Diabate. That's right. What do you expect from him? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll be more than motivated in that yeah. game. And he transferred from Florida yeah. uh, this past offseason. Terrific player at Florida. Led the team in tackles last year. And uh, you know, wasn't able to play spring ball. He was coming off an injury and rehabbing an injury. So we, we didn't get to look at him in the spring. But he's now 100%. And I can't wait to get started next week and watch him on the field and see what he can do. Coach, it's curious to me that we're in this space where we're talking about Conferences changing, allegiances, conference realignment, name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal. You've been at Utah long enough to have seen all of this and had to react to it. How do you feel about the future of the sport? Well, it's changing. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. There's no uh, there's no stopping it. And mm -hmm. so you can't worry about, do I like it? Do I not like it? You just got to be able to adapt and adjust as things change. And, and the landscape is uh, far from... Uh, finished being changed there's a lot more on the horizon in my opinion i don't have any inside scoop or inside knowledge but just you you can see it happening and, and the super conferences and the full-blown playoff and all those things are are right on the horizon and so what has to happen is when all the dust settles you better hope you're on the right side of that line in the sand because there's going to be the haves and the have-nots and a big chasm in between much more so than there exists right now the sense I get from you, Coach, is that you are a show-me type of person. In yeah, that absolutely. Don't really want to talk <laughs> about it or want to be about it. Uh, and your program has been nothing but first class, and I believe that one of the better coaches in this league. I say all that to say, what do I have to tell people to get them to understand that you've been playing outstanding football at Utah for the past 20 years? Yeah, well, first of all, I can show them our record. You know, that speaks for itself. I mean, our guy, very proud of the – the games that our guys have won, you look at, and as proud or more so is our academic record. You know, we're always one or two in the league and graduation rate and APR and those type of things, the measurables that, that the NCAA puts on uh, academics. And, and we're very proud of that. And, you, you know, you come to Utah, you're going to win a bunch of games, you're going to get your degree. And that's our selling point. I appreciate that, Coach. Utah Coach Kyle Whittingham, thank you so much for your time, thank sir. Thank you. Appreciate you. I'm pleased to be joined by Stanford Head Coach David Shaw. Coach, how you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I want to start with this, Coach. Uh, it feels like you're due because you're bringing back a lot of those guys on the offensive line that took some learns last year. How do you feel about your run game in particular going into 2022? I feel really good. Um, as you said, with a lot of experience, some of that experience wasn't great, um, but you, those are learning experiences for our guys. I think we've grown a lot. Had a great offseason, best offseason in a few years for our guys to put on the strength and mass that we need to. Uh, we've streamlined a lot of things that we're doing to make sure we cater to our guys' abilities. Um, we've got an outstanding group of running backs led by EJ Smith um, has a chance to really have a breakout year and I'm excited to see that. So I think we're in a good place. I'm always curious about how you manage to win football games because it feels like you have to deal with so much more than other programs have to deal with. That said, how did it feel to go get that win against Oregon and show a flash of what you're capable of last year? You know, up until the injuries kind of started happening and, and making it really difficult, um, we were just getting on a roll um, to come back week two and, and beat a really good USC football team handily. 
uh, then come back a couple weeks later and with Oregon being as highly ranked as they were, and they had gone into Ohio State and beaten Ohio State, and we were given no chance to win that game. Uh, we got after them pretty good. They came back and made a game back into overtime, and then to win that thing in overtime was was really special for our guys and for our guys to see what we're capable of, for our fans to be a part of that and rush the field uh, and to have that experience really also um, as, as bad as the taste we have in our mouths from last year, that's one of those good tastes. That's one of those things that say, hey, we can do this if we're all, if we're aligned, if we're healthy and we're doing what we're supposed to do, we can have big wins like this. I've heard you say that from Tanner McKee, you're looking for balance. What do you mean by that? Uh, for us on the offensive side, that means, you know, he's a talented quarterback. He'll be one of the most talented quarterbacks in America this year. We've got a great group of receivers. But at the same time, we have to run the ball. We have to balance on the uh, on on our run pass ratio, um, and for him to be efficient, um, he's going to be able to make those big plays. But get the completion on third and three, scramble for a first down, get out of bounds, don't take the big hit, like all of those little things. Um, and then the big things are going to happen, right? When he has an opportunity with the protection, stand up and make the big time throw. He'll make the big time throw. Uh, but the true measure of great quarterbacks now is handling all the little things. Getting us a first down on third and seven is huge. You know, scoring a touchdown pass when the guy's open and not missing the throw, um, stepping up and making those plays, changing the play when we need him to change the play. Like he's at that point now where he's got the offense completely down and he can run the show out there. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm looking forward to that, coach. I'm also interested in the way that you have chosen to go about employing football strategy. You run the football, you're committed to it. It's what we call, used to call a pro-style offense. You're committed to playing outstanding defense. It feels like it's harder and harder every year to keep those philosophies in place with the rules and the way that uh, the game has changed. Do you believe that's true? Uh, I think there is a way to do it the old school way with some new school approaches. Um, by that, I mean... We didn't do RPOs for a long time. Now you see them start to creep into our offense also. They're just something we need to take advantage of. Our quarterback did those RPOs in high school, so it's something that he already does well. Um, there are different things that we have to adjust. Um, but at the same time, you still look at it, and the team who wins the rushing yardage total typically wins the game. That's one of those things that hasn't changed over 50 years of football. Um, now, uh, there's a phrase that say, you know, you – you, you throw to score points and you run to win. There's some truth to that, that you have to be efficient in the passing game, that you have to be prolific at times and take advantage of what people are doing to make those big plays in the passing game. And then when you have a lead in the fourth quarter, 10-point, 14-point lead, now you really run the ball and put the ball away, put the game away. So that philosophy of being balanced on the offense, running and passing is still vital to be a really good running team, typically correlates with being a winning football team, um, and I'm never going to forget that. I've heard from so many coaches about the way that college football has changed and how they embrace the challenge. And I'm thinking to myself, do I have a bunch of Sisyphean efforts in front of me, uh, Sisyphus wanting to push this boulder up a hill just to see if he can get it done? You are faced with more challenges each and every year with the academic standards that Stanford holds dear, playing in a competitive Pac-12 conference. Do you still embrace a challenge? Are you still looking to push a boulder up a hill? Uh, you know, I don't look at it that way. Um what I look at uh, challenges or opportunities, and there's a lot of phrases people say like that, but when things are difficult and you still go out and become successful, there's more elation. There's more of a sense of accomplishment than when it's easy. 
And I don't believe in taking the easy route. I believe in taking the right route and things that you do the things that you believe and finding a way to become successful. So for us taking the high academic kids to go out there and say, Hey, we got a bunch of pre-med uh, guys taking science classes, guys taking, you know, difficult classes, guys taking difficult majors, going to go to law school, going to go to business school, and we're going to run the power play down your throat. Like that combination excites me. Um, it doesn't excite me to say, hey, you know what, let's go out there with a bunch of, guy, a bunch of guys that are taking easy classes because football is the main thing and they're just getting by in school. Like, that doesn't excite me. That excites me to say, hey, we're going to take high caliber individuals that are great students and great football players and go out and play this football game, go out and win and win championships, and then send these people out to society uh, victorious and finding the ways to find their next victories outside of the sport of football. Knowing that is your core philosophy and those are the principles that you have built, not just your program, but your being on, how do you feel about the future of college football? Um, I think it's murky. Um, I don't think we'll ever lose it. Um, we may be close to it here and there, but I don't think... Um, the majority of us adults in, in this in this realm won't let it happen. Um, I think there will be some things that we have to change, and some changes have already happened. I mean, NIL has been in general a, a great positive. It is being used and abused um, to a certain degree, and I think we need to pull back on some of that. Um, but at the same time, the freedoms that our young people have now to earn money and use their own name, image, and likeness to earn money is great. That's a positive thing. So there are a lot of changes that have happened that are, and more that are going to happen. They're going to push us in maybe some uncomfortable areas, but by and large for me, I want college sports to be college sports. And I want professional sports to be professional sports. And I want to be a thick line in between the two. And as long as we can do that, we'll, we'll make other subtle arrangements and, and, and adjustments but as long as we can keep college sports as college sports, like I don't want to, I don't want to hire and fire college athletes. I don't want them to be employees. I want them to have benefits for what they've done and, and create opportunities for them. Great. These opportunities can be lucrative. Awesome. Monetarily lucrative or just giving them better contacts and, and things to do beyond the, the sport, beyond the school. That, those things are great. Um, but I don't want them to be employees. I don't want to have that relationship. I don't want to have a business relationship with my college athletes. I want to have a true college coach, college student athlete experience. Stanford coach David Shaw, thank you so much for taking time, sir. Great to see you. I'm pleased to be joined by Colorado head coach Carl Durrell. Coach Durrell, how are you doing? Doing great. Good to see you too. You too, sir. You too, sir. I think this year three can be a lot of fun for Colorado. You got a ton coming back on offense. You know who you are on defense. You made some changes, you know, to your staff. But how do you feel? Do you feel like it's going to be a lot of fun? I do. I feel like, uh, matter of fact, that's a mandate my wife has told me. She says you need to smile more this year and you need to have more fun. That was something that she told me. But, and I, I, I believe I can. I can because we are in better position. You know, our 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 roster is better than it's been. Uh, I have a, the football staff situated, and we've hired some really good coaches that are, we're going to have outstanding coaching from that side of it. And then I would say from a player perspective, they're working harder than they've ever worked. And, you know, we talked about Robert a little earlier in terms of what he's been doing. It's everything is aligning for us to move forward and have success. This team is, is at this point in time, they're telling me, Coach, we're ready to win. And then I'm telling my coaching staff that, hey, if we got a team with a mindset that's ready to win, guess what your job is? You need to make sure you meet their expectations. 
So they have to make sure we're, we're organized and we're prepared and we're doing the things that they expect themselves to do. We need to be ready for, for, for meeting those expectations. So that's what I like. Everybody is kind of, you know, making sure everybody's accountable. Coaches are accountable. Players are accountable. I'm accountable. It's all for the matter for us to be successful. And, and, and I think everything is starting to fall in place. Speaking of Robert Barnes, uh, known him for the better part of six years uh, and his father and know what he was capable of at Oklahoma. Saw him go from free safety to inside linebacker. And it feels like that maturation is more or less what Colorado football is doing. We're getting bigger. We're getting stronger. We're getting more purposeful about who we are and what we stand for. I say that to say, Coach, uh, how is it that you have become, in Robert's words, a philosopher to your to your players and I, I, I relay a story for you. He told me, if I make a mistake, one-on-one situation, it happens, right? If something that could have been done in preparation, we'll talk about that. But I don't have to get back to the sideline and worry about whether or not Carl Durrell is going to eat me alive, going to tear me a new behind. Hey, can we fix this? How do you keep that sense of calm with your players, especially when you're in the middle of the storm? I'm thinking about Texas A&M last year. You know, it's it's a matter of uh, perspective. You know, the, our players are being well trained. For one, they are they're, they're trying to do things at an elite level. They're trying to execute their systems offensively, defensively, and special teams at an elite level. And to play this game fast and hard and react to things that they that that hit them like stimuli, there's mistakes that that there's they're not going to be a perfect game. You know, even the best players in the NFL are not going to they're not going to have 100 plays or 70 plays of perfect plays in the game. But it's, it's always good to strive for it, though. It's like one of those things, you know, that it's my, it may not be able to attain. It's like, uh, you know, Lombardi's statement, you know, excellence is something that everybody's shooting for. But if you can't create perfection, you can you might be able to maintain excellence. That's his, his quote somewhat. You know, I know I probably. Uh, it's not perfectly done, but it is. That's the gist of his quote. I think that's really what, what our process of what we're trying to do here. And I, my job is to see it all. You know, I try, I do, I work hard at seeing it all. I don't try to be isolated and have tunnel vision on looking at certain things in football. I'm trying to see the big picture with everything that we do. So I think when Robert talks about the, 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 the philosophical coach, it's because I, I give them the big picture perspective every day about what I see, what looks good, what looks great, what needs work. And that's there's some consistency in how I do that. And I explain it as to why we need this to be certain ways, because it, it all amounts for us to be as efficient and effective as we can be. And our players have bought into that. And they, they understand my coaching style, you know, in terms of how I see the game. And they respect it, you know, because sometimes I see things, I definitely see things that they don't see. And, and same thing with the coaches. I definitely see things that they don't see. And my job is to get them both on the same page and to try to do our work as fast and efficient as we can make it. When you came into Colorado, one of the things that I was blown away with is how you were able to quiet the folks around you that were rabid about where is Colorado football? What can we expect? How do we get back to the 1990s? Give us some time. We'll figure it out. We're on our way. I say that to say, Coach, now you are faced with even more change. Name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, conferences are realigning and changing shape. How do you feel about not just the future of Colorado football, but the future of the sport? You know, I feel great about the sport. 
There's no panic. That I think that change sometimes, there's two different ways of looking at it. It's like the glass half full or half empty, right? And I choose to, to take the high road. I choose to take that, you know, there's opportunity here. You know, some things that maybe we're not quite looking at right now because of the news and it hits you a certain way. But I think when you sit back and you reflect on it, there's opportunity of doing something better than what you've done before. And that's where this, our situation is, you know, with, with our conference realignment and, and the future of Colorado football. I think our future is extremely bright, very excited about it, where I feel like I can smile more this year because I think our team has a great foundation now. And I feel good about that. But I also feel good about this transition that's, that we're all dealing with. You know, I know that the portal is challenging. I know that NIL, I know that now the conference, you know, we had a couple of members that are leaving here in a couple of years. That's all part of the, you know, really the, the evolution of the game. You know, uh, there's going to be major conferences at some point. I don't know when it will all be out there and when will it all be done, but it, it definitely, you can see that it's trending that way. But we have to look, we have to embrace that instead of scoffing at it. You know, I think sometimes the the innocence of the game or the nostalgia of the game gets in the way because, you know, particularly if you're an old alum and, you know, we've always done it this way. This is how we always used to do it. Sometimes those phrases aren't appropriate anymore. They always used to. Right. You got to do things differently and better. So I choose to take the high road. I choose to learn. I choose to just continue to develop as a coach. I choose to think that I don't know it all. Just because if you, if you have a mindset of that you're always wanting to learn and willing to learn and be receptive to new things, I think that gives you a chance to be even a better coach. Choosing joy, choosing innovation. Colorado head coach Carl Durrell, thank you so much for the time, sir. Appreciate you and appreciate the time being on. Always looking forward to seeing you. I'm pleased to be joined by Colorado linebacker Robert Barnes. Robert, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's been some time, uh, but I wanted to start there. You chose to go to Colorado. What led to that decision? Um, I think ultimately Coach Wilson. I think when uh, when he called me and you know talked to me about the scheme, what we'd be running, and you know where I fit in this defense, um, you know I think that was attractive to me, and it, um, I know I wanted to go to a place having learned everything I learned at Oklahoma and being able to implement, you know, a championship mindset, um, you know, the place has been struggling, but, um, you know, ultimately I wanted to leave my mark on this program and, you know, the senior class is on that same page and, you know, we want to leave this place better than we found it. How difficult was it for you to make the decision to just enter the portal at all from Oklahoma? I mean, it was hard. I think everybody knows, you know, my background in terms of, you know, why I chose Oklahoma. My dad played there and, you know, it was always, you know, that type of school for me. Um, that's where I wanted to, you know, leave my legacy. And, um, you know, I think God had other plans. And, I, you know, I'm grateful for everything I learned at Oklahoma. I'm grateful for, you know, the, the coaching mentorship I got from Coach Riley, from Coach Stoops, from Mike Stoops, from, you know, Coach Cooks. I'm, I'm grateful for all those guys. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately, you know, it's led me to, to to this point in my life and this point in my career where, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm getting ready for a breakthrough. What did you think when you found out that Coach Riley was going to be playing not only in your conference, but you have an opportunity to go at it? I was excited. Um, I was super excited. Uh, I think I even texted him that day and I was like, congratulations, cause Coach. You know, I'll see you November 11th. Um, so, you know, I've I had that competitive spirit about me. 
Um, you know, there's no animosity there. There's no bad blood between us. You know, me and Grinch, there's, there's nothing like that. You know, I'm just super excited to, you know, basically being able to showcase this team and put this team, you know, um, in the forefront, um, you know, for, for this season. I think that we have a lot to prove. Um, and I think that we have, you know, it's we're in a position to where, you know, they, they have us last in the pack. We're being completely transparent. And that's fine. That's exactly where we want to be um, because at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's just on paper. Every team has to come play us and they have to line up and play us. And, you know, our approach is to take each game, you know, one step of it at, at a time and, you know, continue this, you know, to put Colorado at this, you know, upward trajectory. It's interesting to hear you acknowledge how other people feel about Colorado, especially coming from a place like Oklahoma, For sure. where you're picked to win every game you play. For sure. How has this changed your mindset, if at all, about how to play football? Um, I think, you know, my approach has kind of remained the same. Um, and I think that was kind of my job going into, you know, a place like Colorado was to kind of implement this new standard. Like, okay, like, what do we want? We know what the outside world says. And we know, you know, the struggles we've had in the past, you know, before I got there, even before that. Um, but it's like, how do we change that? What does summer look like? Like, what is every team's working, but how do we change it? Like, how do we work a little bit harder? Are we staying extra before and after? Um, it's doing just above the minimum um, and the, the the average requirement and just trying to, you know, go go above and beyond of how we're going to change, you know, um, just the like I said, the trajectory of this program. And um, I think we have a lot of guys that have came from similar situations as me. We have R.J. Sneed from Baylor. He was on a one and 11 Baylor and then they win the Big 12 last year. So um, we have Tommy Brown. He was a Alabama alignment. So, I mean, we have guys that have that championship mindset and, you know, they're in different position groups, different rooms. And I think that whole combination is um, what's ultimately cooking up, you know, a special season for us. What has Coach Durrell taught you about yourself that you might not have known before you got to Colorado? Um, Coach Durrell's a philosopher. I think that uh, just his mind alone, um, he analyzes everything you say. You know, he, he's never quick to speak. Um, he's, he, he's very... Um, emotional in the sense of he wants to hear you. He wants to analyze exactly what you said and give you the appropriate response. And, um, you know, I think as a man, I've just learned so much for him in, in terms of, um, you know, when you're answering questions and when you're talking to somebody, there's no right answer. You know what I mean? You, you, you got to dig from how you feel about a topic or how you feel about a situation. Um, and, you know, he's a super personal coach and a personable coach. Um, you know, he's he, he's not scared to tell you what he believes um, and he remains cool, calm and collect, you know, during the games. It allows you to go out there and play with confidence. You don't have to worry about, you know, getting chewed out whenever you get to the sideline. Like if it's a mistake that could have been pre prevented during preparation, that's one thing. But, um, you know, if it's something that, you know, it's a one on one battle, things happen. He's going to be first to, you know, make sure you're, you're not losing your confidence until you just keep going and keep playing. I find that fascinating because uh, if I might speak frankly, you're used to being chewed out at when you get back to the sideline uh, and being able to play a little bit more freer is a lot of fun. I'm going to geek for a second. I remember skinny Robert Barnes. <laughs> that's what I remember. Yes, I sir. remember the dude that's going to be playing free safety, man. Yeah. How much bigger are you since you got, let's say, to be a true freshman? Yeah, so I mean, I came in as a true freshman, 195. I think I maintained about 200 during my time. I never got too big. Um, and then that COVID year, um, when I decided me and coach Grinch had the conversation, I was going to go play linebacker. 
Um, I put on 30 pounds just during that three months of being home during COVID, which was a difficult task because you're not around your facilities. It's, you know, I had to make sure I was putting on the right weight. So I was eating right, working out two or three times a day. And literally when we left, I was 200 pounds. And when we came back, I was like 235, I think, when we weighed in. Um, so the, it was the same reaction to those coaches. And they were like, oh, my goodness, you got, you know, you got pretty big. Coach, I saw Coach Riley today. He was speaking on the same thing. He was, how big are you? How much do you weigh? Like, you look night and day different. So, um, you know, that was just a, a testament to, you know, the type of work I was putting in and, um, you know, just learning a new position. I think that was just a, a challenge in itself. But I feel like it was the best move for, for me in my career. I am fired up to see you playing inside. Colorado linebacker Robert Barnes, thank you so much for time, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you, guys. I'm pleased to be joined by Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I want to start with a positive, Coach. Uh, had seven straight losing seasons to Oregon State. That was snapped last year. You make a bowl game for the first time since 2013. How do you carry that momentum into 2022? Yeah, and you, you definitely feel like we got some momentum, but it's not easy to maintain. Um, it comes with a lot of work ethic. I do feel confident with the group we got coming back player wise. We got a lot of experience. Uh, these guys have been working really hard. They understand that. Yeah, we won more games than we lost last year, but that's, uh, that don't mean a whole lot. This is a new year and, uh, we got to go earn it. One of the things I'm sure you stress is you guys came out the gate four and one and then finished three and five down the stretch. What do you think changed coach? Yeah, I think it's handling a little bit of success, um, you know, growing, and that's sometimes a, there's a process to this. Um, but because you're right, we were playing a, a really high level and finishing some games early in the season that we do, weren't able to do in the second half, and hopefully we learned from that. Going back to we got a lot of players coming back that experienced it. I think you got one of the better tailbacks that nobody really talks about in Damian Martinez. I look at that dude and I'm saying, is that the second coming of Steven Jackson or am I getting too far ahead of myself? Yeah, that's that's high praise. Uh, we do think he's going to be really good. He had a great spring. We're excited being able to sign him. Came up for spring football, got a lot of reps and was impressive with that. He's got a physical skill set, uh, but at the same time impressive how he picked up the scheme really well. And so I can see him carrying the ball for us this fall. So. 232, he carries 2,000 yards as a junior. Coming out of Texas, uh, the Farmers, Louisville, down by my way. I'm just, I'm very intrigued and very, very interested to see how that goes. Coach, how do you feel about the strength of the Pac-12, knowing that it's going divisionless for the first time? Yeah, I think uh, there's some good to that. Uh, you know, the schedule's not really changing in regards to who we're playing. But let's face it, you get to the end of the season. Uh, you'd want to put your best two teams, your your two teams in conference play that have earned to play in that championship game. So that makes a lot of sense. And I do think it's going to be competitive. There's a lot of good players, some good coaches in this league. And and I love about the Pac-12 each week. Everybody can beat everybody. You got to play well and earn a win. I wonder now that the news is the USC, UCLA, one of the Big Ten. We've heard uh, Commissioner Klevkoff say, hey, I'm going to defend my conference. I'm keeping it together. I wonder, you haven't played in this league, coached in this league. How do you feel about the future of this league? You know, I'm confident that the, the tradition, the history of this league uh, for a long time, the amount of players and coaches that have come through, I don't think the Pac-12 is going anywhere. Uh, on a personal side, yeah, I grew up in Southern California going to games uh, in, when I was young at UCLA and SC. So it's, it was disappointing. Um, but let's face it, college football, college athletics is changing. Confident in our leadership at the Pac-12 level that uh, we're going to be here for a long time. How do you feel about Oregon going out of its way to try to go get the defensive coordinator that won a national championship to play against you yeah. in what was once called a, well, I'd say it's in-state rivalry, in, right? Yeah. yeah, the rivalry game. Um, obviously, those guys uh, had some transition and 
getting around Dan for quite a bit uh, here. Good guy. Um, but they're always, you know, play at a high level, recruit at a high level, always challenging, which is a, very similar to a lot of the teams in this league. Um, but we're definitely trying to try to beat them. How do you feel about the future of the sport as a whole, Coach? We've had tremendous change here in the last five years. You know, I think change can be unsettling, but ultimately I, you, you change and you continue to grow. I think there's been some real positives over uh, the last five, ten years. I think about the game as being as safe as it's ever been. I think about, you know, empowering the college athlete, which is a good thing. I think they should be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. I do think the transfer, uh, the ability to them to get a fresh start, I think that's uh, that's fair and good. I think ultimately there can be some guardrails, which are not simple, but some guardrails around these new rules that can continue to advance the game. I wonder uh, among your coaching brethren, yourself uh, in general, do you find yourself pulling back a little bit more as you are coaching up a kid or as you're coming to understand how many other eyes and how many other people are involved in the sport that once were not? Yeah, I think that I think you're always trying to progress as a coach and learn um, about your players. And the current player is different than they were 20 years ago when I was playing. And so you, you continue to adjust and, and know that. We're, we're always trying to help them improve, build some self-esteem with them, add some value to their life. And I think that coaching is a, a great way to be able to do it. Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith. Thank you so much, sir. Yeah, appreciate it. I'm pleased to be joined by Washington head coach Kayla DeBoer. How you doing, coach? I'm doing great. Great to be here. I was up late at night, watched Fresno State play UCLA, and it was thrilling. Uh, getting to see your offense operate, putting up over 500 a game. Is that what I can expect at Washington? Yeah, I mean, that's what I hope. Uh, I think we'll have a fun style of football to watch. I think, um, you know, it's not just offense. It's how we play the game together as a team. Um, you know, we got a lot of great players at University of Washington, and, uh, you know, they're doing a great job learning our schemes and have really bought in. And, um, you know, we got some great coaches with some great minds that uh, I know are going to put them in great spots to win. One of the trends that I've seen in 2022 is quarterbacks and play callers reuniting. We have that with you and Michael Penix Jr. How excited are you to be tandem once again? Yeah, Michael's he's a special talent. And, uh, you know, it was a fun year in 2019 with him and um, just the way things all worked out. It uh, was a great opportunity for us to get back together. And and uh, he saw a great opportunity at the University of Washington here this fall. And um, he's done a nice job. He's done a great job. Uh, he obviously knew the system. Uh, now it's just a matter of getting to know the players and, and uh, you know, the rest of the staff. And um, he's fit in really well. And so, um, you know, we have multiple quarterbacks who are all kind of battling. But, uh, you know, Mike, um, Mike's experience is tough to overlook. And so, you know, uh, certainly, certainly uh, done a great job up to this point. I think you got three great options. I think you would agree. Dylan Morris played a lot of football as a Husky. And, of course, Sam Heward has a tremendous ceiling. Do you fear that competition is going to overdo you? Like, I'm going to look at these guys and go, okay, who am I going to play this week? Or are you really set on Michael Penix Jr.? No, I, right now it's an open it's an open competition uh, through fall camp. And um, they all bring something different. And Michael's number of snaps he's played at the college level at a, at a high level and success – uh, that comes along with it certainly is is, uh, is strong. Dylan, you know, has played a lot of snaps himself. And, you know, I think Sam's rise is going to be, you know, kind of the, the fun thing to see here throughout fall camp. And 
um, you know, he should be making the biggest strides because uh, he's still the least experienced of them all, you know, just going into his second year. So uh, it's going to be fun. And, and really, you know, the, you simplify it down. You're just trying to develop them the best you can and, uh, you know, go with a guy that you know is going to lead you up and down the football field and lead the team the best way. A guy that might be seven and a half yards deep behind them and Aaron Dumas. I know about him because I'm a football junkie and I watch New Mexico. You know about him. He went for 143, I believe, against Fresno State. How excited are you to unleash him on the Pac-12? Yeah, I think uh, there's a whole group of guys. We have three returning uh, running backs that, uh, you know, come from uh, the roster and actually four. Uh, three of them have played quite a bit. And, you know, the three guys we brought in have uh, have some strong, you know, um, strong experience um in uh, Wayne Talapapa and Will Nixon and Aaron Dumas and so uh that running to that back position is you know quickly become one of the most competitive on the team uh and so I'm excited to see that group and you know that group uh, that position group in general plays a, a bigger role than just carrying the football too uh they're involved in many of the special teams and all those guys have that ability to help us out there as well I'm excited about this year's Apple Cup because, uh, again, me being into football as I am, I know about your record in NAIA. I know about Coach Dickert and how he came up. How excited are you to experience that rivalry? Yeah, I can't wait. Um, got a chance to watch the game last year. Uh, I've seen it a few years over the past. And, and uh, man, it's, uh, it's intense. And it's what you know college football is all about and uh, the excitement the fan bases have. Uh, for that game, uh, you know, and then the bragging rights that come along with it for a whole year. Uh, it's super special and it's a big game. And and uh, yeah, we got a lot of time before before then. But uh, you can't help but notice, uh, you know, that uh, that that's a game that's on the count uh, on the schedule that, uh, you know, you're going to be ready for. You mentioned the passion that fans display for that game. And one of the things that I love about college football is how much it means to fans like myself. How do you feel, though? about the future of college football? Yeah, I think, you know, um, college football is just uh, just like anything else. You're always trying to make it better and your people are, you know, creative and, and trying to come up with ways to, to, you know, whether it's make their conference better or make the experience better. You know, you're always trying to make it better. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, build a better team and our offense coordinator, defense coordinator, trying to draw better schemes, you know, and so, um, in the end, that's what you're hoping is that you're making this better for everyone involved. Um, I, you know, the, the foundation of, uh, to me, why I coach is, uh, to give these guys a great experience and, and, uh, it just, you know, you got to adjust and you got to, um, you know, transform a little bit and evolve with the, the times, but I still feel like I can do that. I still feel like I can do that for our players and give them a great experience. And sometimes I, I know the, the outside world, the fan base as well. Um, you know, there's some things that can kind of turn you off about college football. Um, but in the end, um, uh, it's a special time. And, you know, game day is a, uh, a major event uh, that, you know, everyone marks every, on, on their calendars each and every week. Well, I can't wait for it. Coach DeBoer, thank you so much for your time, sir. You bet. My pleasure. 